Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast, the must-listen show for single women struggling to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, author, speaker, and according to the Times Magazine, one of the UK's most successful love coaches. Before that, I was a serial cheat and obsessive love addict, but I'm now a bride-to-be and in the best relationship of my life. So, If you're trying to do the work on your love life, you are definitely in the right place. But here on the Love is Coming podcast, we serve your education with a side of entertainment. Expect serious stuff talked about not so seriously, solo agony on episodes with yours truly, and guest episodes showcasing some of the best in the biz in ways you've never seen them before. So, got a dating dilemma? Swiping right but haven't yet found Mr. Right? then let's get raw, real, and a little bit inappropriate because love is coming for your baby in more ways than one. I have been very excited about this interview, Rob. It's been in the pipeline for some time. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know you, so I know you as Rob Moore, the disruptive uh, entrepreneur. I know you through my coach, Shah Wasmond, and through Clubhouse, where you are an absolute machine. But for anyone who doesn't know you, could you just give a little brief insight uh, into what you do? Because you do so many things. I I was just finding it quite hard to sort of narrow it down. Yeah, you know, everyone says there's riches in the niches and you should focus on a niche. Well, I break that rule completely. (laughs) I just like to do fun stuff. So my um, lane, which is more like a motorway with a central reservation and a hard shoulder, but my lane is entrepreneurship. I became an entrepreneur 15 years ago when my dad had a nervous breakdown on 15th of December 2005. And he'd raised me to be an entrepreneur, got me working from the age of six. Probably illegal now, but back then I loved it. He um, he had me empty them fruit machines, empty the pool tables, empty the pinball machines, count all the money up, you know, and, and add it all together and tell him the totals for the take the night before. He'd have me working the till, even pulling the pints, restocking the shelves, six years old plus. And I just loved it. I loved working with my dad. I wanted to be a hustler, an entrepreneur. So to see him have a massive nervous breakdown on his birthday in a pub full of customers was really hard. Um, I've told that story quite a lot to my community, so I won't do the detailed version here. But that really shook me into actually waking up and doing something with my life. I was 50 grand in consumer debt. I was a loser. I was um, ungrateful. I took shit for granted. I was still living with my mum and dad. It's just going nowhere. Um, but fast forward to now, and I've built a eight-figure a year and, and nine-figure, in excess nine-figure training company, Progressive, Progressive Property, Progressive Success, the Entrepreneurs Business Academy, uh, and that does eight figures a year consistently. Uh, I've written 18 books. My latest opportunity just came out the last couple of weeks. My best sellers are probably Money and Life Leverage. Have a podcast called The Disruptive Entrepreneur, which has 650 episodes just about now. Uh, I interviewed Floyd Mayweather uh, recently. Did a, an episode on orgasms with Marissa Peer, <laughs> which was didn't have one. Bit of a letdown. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, Marissa Peer, she's brilliant. I've interviewed Amazing. 15 billionaires and all sorts of cool people. Um, what else? I've got a foundation called the Rob Moore Foundation to help young and underprivileged people start meaningful businesses that changed the world. 
One of my companies won Business of the Year 2016. I won International Man of the Year 2021. Uh, yeah, I've done lots of stuff. Two two world records for the longest public speeches, individual and <laughs> How team. Yeah. How long? Yeah. How, How long? Speeches? Yeah. The individual was 47 and a half hours nonstop. Bloody yeah. hell. Yeah, that, lot, that really is a long speech. You you have a lot of energy. You have a lot of energy. From my stalking, I also discovered that you you were or are potentially still maybe a closet painter. Yeah, I used to be an artist in I tried it professionally 02 to 05. Sold a few, but couldn't make a living out of it because I was introverted and um I like back then I was a bit of a twat if I'm just brutally honest. <laughs> like, I loved Rage Against the Machine and Radiohead, you know, anti-capitalism, anti-consumerism, you know. Fuck the system, all of this. <laughs> but I was skinned and poor. It was such a, it was such a paradox because I, I would, didn't embrace sales and marketing and self-promotion. I hated all that. But mm. I, actually, I was scared. And sometimes fear comes out in hate. Like, the saying hurt people hurt people. I, I think that that's often true. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but, but I've been an artist my whole life. I got 100% at GCSE art. I think I was the only, well, I was, according to my tutors, the only person in the UK to get 100% at GCSE art. So, you know, I can draw and I can create stuff. But um, yeah, just part of a load of random things I've done. But now all the things that I do that are seemingly random, all fall under helping people start and scale their business and get a better financial education. You know, I want to help people be entrepreneurs, to be disruptive, creative, innovative. And that's really, I've, so I've managed to sort of hone that randomness and everythingness into a thing. And I think that's why mm. got out of debt in a year, earned 100 grand the next year, became a millionaire, age 30, um, a decade millionaire and then beyond. I think because I've actually managed to focus all that energy in, into one lane as opposed to spray it everywhere. Yeah. Wow. You've, you have done a lot. You, um, My dad's actually in property and he's he's kind of similar, same, same, but different. Um, but you remind me of him in certain ways. Um, and yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, you are a creative. And um, and I've, you know, I used to be an actress, actually. And I'm seeing more and more. So I was always like you. I was like, no, not just in the business, not interesting marketing. That's gross. That's gross. But the more I've got into business, the more I've seen it is all about being creative. It really is. But we're not actually here to talk about business, although, I, you know, I'd love to grow your brains about that. But that's what I can do on Clubhouse. We're here to talk about relationships. So, Rob, I don't know how much you know about me. I'm an author, speaker and a love coach. And basically what I do, I help women, many of whom are actually entrepreneurs or uh, super successful in their chosen field. I help them attract and sustain healthy, soulful, lasting relationships in the chaos of the modern dating world. So I'm obviously now I'm very familiar with your story as an entrepreneur. I'm interested on in your story, your kind of romance story. Interpret that as you will. And I'm interested to hear how your career and your career progression influenced that and vice versa. Okay, well, um, my wife actually worked for me for five years. We met, actually, I saw her in the gym and I was like, it's one of those <laughs> moments, yeah. Ding dong. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. She never wore much at the gym. Wasn't much left to the imagination. 
I'm like pumping the chest press. And I thought, ow! Um, but I didn't have the courage to go out and speak to her, especially not in the gym. I did used to try and go on the machine she was on. And back then I used to do a lot of martial arts and I could do the splits. And she'd be there on a mat stretching. And I'd drop into the splits. Check me out. Obviously, uh, <laughs> probably wouldn't use that tactic now. But I, I, I knew her of her in the gym. She did a couple of classes I did, but we never spoke. And then uh, I was out one night uh, when I used to drink. And I was, I was drunk. I was drunk, not hammered. And mm. it just gave me a bit of Dutch courage. And I just went up and spoke to her. I do recall her reading my book in the gym, actually. My first book, Property Investing Secrets, because she's also into property. Right. And then she worked, uh, she um, had a, a small development company with her parents. And then in the recession, they wound it down. And yeah, she came and worked for me. Her mum worked for me. Her dad worked for me. My mum, my dad. So really like a family business in the early days. And yeah, and then after about five years of working for me, she fired me uh, and quit because uh, she thought it was maybe getting in the way of our relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, when we just had our son, Bobby, who's now 10, holy shit, 10. Bobby said, Daddy, in eight years, I'm going to be an adult. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and so and my wife chose that she would uh, not work and look after the kids and step back from that. That was her choice, not my imposition. Uh, yeah, so there you go. That, so that's how, how old were you when you met? Uh, it would have been 2006. So I, I'm 42 now. So what's that? 27 ish. Right. Okay. Yeah. My, I, my partner fiance was 27 when we met actually. So, uh, okay. So we've had lots of questions coming in from all the women who, uh, from my followers and clients who yeah, were very um, excited that I was going to. 12 inches. I'll just answer it now. 12 inches. Oh wait. And someone asking a question. <laughs> Where province? <laughs> okay, so we've had lots of questions um, from women who were very excited for me, uh, very excited that I was interviewing you. And one of the ones that came up again and again were, was what are the most important qualities and values, or what were they for you when it came to choosing a life partner? Um, well, the girlfriend I had before my wife was a little bit like, oh, why are you doing all that work for? Why are you going to those happy, clappy, positive, uh, you know, whoop, whoop, rah, rah seminars? And why are you doing this? And why are you doing that? And why are you working a lot? And I don't know. I, I never really got it. And I felt like it was a bit of a a noose, mm -hmm. you know. So there was a, that caused a lot of friction. So I, for me, it was important that someone would let me be me. Mm -hmm. And... It's the, it goes two ways, by the way. You've asked me the question, but of course, you know, we should. What's the point in being with someone and then trying to change them? And I yeah. think that's one of the things that we do in relationships that is maybe not great. Particularly um, us women are guilty of that. Well, I mean, I think, I think men are too. I'm definitely, you're not going to draw me into the woman-man debate, I'll tell you that <laughs> I'll get myself into trouble as it is. No, I think we all try to change people to be more like us. Mm. I think it's natural because it makes us feel safe and it makes yeah. us feel valuable. Um, and it, and it uh, appeases our ego when someone agrees with us. But, I mean, I've fallen in love with my wife many times. And one of the times I fell in love with her was when I loved her for who she is, not who I thought I wanted her to be. Yeah. 
and, and so with my business partner, you know, I really appreciated him much more when I just accepted his greatness instead of trying to impose upon him my ideologies. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted someone who appreciated me for who I am, not who they wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I want to impress someone in a relationship. I want to do things for them. I, you know, I do, but not feel leveraged or that someone's always... I'll give you an example of this, um, Portia. My, my, um, Portia. Portia. Don't write it... that all the bloody time. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, one of my ex-girlfriends always used to say, my ex-boyfriend never used to do that. My ex-boyfriend used to do that. My And, and like, well, fuck off and go back with to your ex then. <laughs> you know, if you want your ex, go with your ex. If you want me, then I'm me and I'm I'm flawed and I'm crazy and... You liked it at the start. <laughs> so I think the most important thing in a relationship is to love and appreciate people for who they are. Yeah. And I don't think my ex did that. And I really do think my wife does, even though we're very different. Mm-hmm. That was important to me. And that they didn't mind going along on a crazy ride of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. If they wanted security and safety and consistency, I'm the wrong dude. I am the wrong one by a mile. So if you want excitement, variety, chaos, I'm probably the right guy. Mm. Makes me think of you heard of farmers and sailors. So with sailors, sailor type people, they're adventurers, they're risk takers. Um, They like the open water. They like freedom. The negatives can be that they may be a little bit unpredictable. Um, Sometimes in in my experience in the past, uh, you know, I was you know, not not the most trustworthy person or just very up and down. And then you've got farmers on the other side. Farmers, good qualities, very reliable, steadfast, consistent, loyal. But, you know, the negatives can be not good at taking risks, potentially could be a little bit boring at times. And I think it's it's like knowing which one of those you naturally fall more to. And then, you know, like highlighting the good sides of that and then the negative sides that you want you want to kind of bring in there's some of the farmer qualities especially if you're getting married or having a family those you know that consistency is absolutely important so it seems like you're naturally a sailor through and through Rob would you agree if you say so (laughs) (laughs) I I was I did a live earlier I did a live earlier today and someone tried to put me into the one of these five categories of personality types as soon as you try and put a box around me or create a stereotype out of me I immediately want to rebel and mm. say no so I think what you but said that's what makes a lot... would do well there you go exactly so <laughs> um yeah that makes sense I, I mean mm. to for your analogy I'm the sailor and my wife is the farmer for sure and my wife is very grounded and down to earth and practical and logical and somewhat skeptical and careful and that's actually a brilliant foil for someone like me. Uh, yeah. And someone like me really needs that grounding force, yeah. whether it's in my business relationships, my friendships or my personal, you know, private relationship. But the problem with that, well, the problem, just the up, there's upsides and downsides. There's no mm-hmm. rights or wrongs, problems. There's just upsides and downsides and mm-hmm. opposites. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I feel with people around me who are very grounded and grounding, somewhat shackled and um, held back and, yeah, slowed down. Mm -hmm. But then 
you know, if, if if I was with someone like me, it would just be chaos. You know, you know, like when Tom and Jerry start fighting and there's this massive puff of smoke and you just see arms and legs coming out. That would be if I was in a relationship with me. Yeah. It, and I have been in relationships with people like me and it's been spontaneous and exciting and crazy and mad for about three weeks. And, and then it's just painful. been like massive falling out over. Yeah, I, I agree. And I really relate to that. And I think, you know, uh, my fiance sat in the other room. We've just got a puppy called Reggae, little cockapoo. He's so gorgeous. We only had him a few weeks. And it's really shown me. It was almost like, because I'm like, oh, do I want to have kids? Don't know. Like, how would I fit it in with work? And and what's been interesting about having this puppy is just sit, you get a taste of your parenting style that you don't really know until you have that responsibility. And it's been was really it, good to see. Go on. Was it you or him that wanted the puppy? We both did. Uh, who drove it most? Well, actually, I would say him. Really? Him. He's such a natural dad. Oh, my God. Like, right. I'm really terrified of parenthood in yeah, so many puppy ways. Is, puppy is stage one. What do you mean? Oh, well, God. stage two is baby. Stage ah! one is the dog. It's just <laughs> part of the journey. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's what it is. That's what I'll see. I might get Joe to bring him in later because he's like the cutest thing you've ever seen. But it's it's been really interesting to see like we're we're a really good team. And I guess you don't really know that until you're you're put in that situation. One thing I just want to circle back to is you were mentioning about, you know, and I totally agree with you, the most well fundamental in, in a relationship, for a relationship for you to feel happy in a relationship, you want to be accepted by the other person, warts and all. And I've it's taken me such a long time to realize that the way that you can accept someone else is like you first have to start by accepting yourself and who you are. And of course, there's going to be compromise and, you know, there needs to be a degree of flexibility in a relationship. But you fund like we are who we are and so is there anything you can sort of add to that idea like the idea of comp because basically i the reason i ask is i used to have an ex-boyfriend who used to say oh god compromise now no one's happy and i really saw his point <laughs> but the longer i'm in a relationship it's like compromise is a really big part of it. So where does where do you draw the line? Okay, so I have an analogy here. Um, we've got you know a pretty big house with lots of rooms, and when we first started updating it, upgrading it, refurbing it, and extending it, if my wife and I would both be involved in the interior design and decoration it would be an absolute disaster mm -hmm. and would fall out not on a major level but enough mm -hmm. so the best plan that really works well is i do the living room she does the dining room she does the kitchen i do the extension she does the bedroom mm -hmm. so on your note of compromise it's not about you both trying to do one thing and it end up being shit. Yeah. One of you takes the lead somewhere and one of you takes the lead somewhere else. Yeah. And that That's for me would be a, a good analogy. And, and yeah, like, sometimes I go in a room that my wife designed and I never would have done it like that. And I actually think that's actually pretty good. It's functional. Mm -hmm. It's practical. 
it's clean and then i go into a room i've designed and go ah yeah this is also very expressive and and a bit more artistic but less practical probably Mm -hmm. and so it actually makes for a more interesting house because every room is slightly different it's not like you go on this journey through through the house yeah whereas which who did which one oh 100 100 it's completely (laughs) obvious yeah yeah um, my parents talk about this idea of it's like you have different departments in your relationship so don't try and split things equally like oh we're going to do equal driving or equal washing up or whatever the hell it is it's like no okay these are my strengths these are things I'm naturally good at so I'm going to take ownership of that and and vice versa and of course it's going to be the few things that no one wants to do but it's it's you know it, it's remembering we are a team because I'm, it's really easy when when tensions are high to kind of get into that feeling where you're opposite each other and you're against each other. But it's remembering we are on the same team. We both want ho- hopefully the same things. So I want to bring it back to to um, to choosing a life partner in the first place because it's so important. You know, my, I work with women. I, I work with women who are single predominantly because I want to help them make a better choice because I could so easily I was a disaster in my romantic life and I could so easily have ended up with the wrong guy I can't tell you and so when it comes to choosing a partner what do you think are the biggest mistakes that people make um I think if you're with someone that's too much like yourself Mm -hmm. I I think Common interest is fine, but two common personality traits. I think in any partnership, if two people do the same thing or are the same person, then one isn't needed. Mm. And and if anyone studies the family dynamic, just, just family dynamic, go and do some research on it. You know, you need the sailors and the farmers, the hunters and the gatherers, the empire builders and the home carers. You need, for for a proper family dynamic of, let's say, you know, um, uh, let's just say an opposite sex or same sex, but let's just say opposite sex um, relationship and 2.4 children, you know, the stereotype. Mm -hmm. Obviously, things have changed now, and I think that that's great. I I embrace change. But for that standard family dynamic, for us to evolve from when we were a little tribe and we needed to survive, we all need to have different functions and roles. You know, when people say, oh, I'm, my kids, they're so different. I can't believe it. That's normal. Your kids are always different. Like it's almost like their traits are split at birth. I think there's some science to back that up. But again, if your kids both had the same personality, one wouldn't be needed within the family dynamic. So you've got this biological evolutionary thing going on. So in my opinion, whilst we're attracted to people like us to a certain degree, being with people who are different to us in terms of who they are as a person, I think that's more sustainable in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. And what I found is people who are I was immediately wildly attracted to, it usually was good, bad, over. And yeah. people that grew on me and it was a bit of a slower burn, Usually that was better, 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 better because they were different. And it, it was a bit it was difficult for me to sort of get my head around. So, yeah, that would be that would be one thing. The, the next thing is you've got to stop trying to change people and turn them into who you want them to be and accept them for who they are. And you'll fall in love with them more when you love them for who they are, not who you want them to be. Mm-hmm. That's the second thing. Now, the amount of people. And this is usually women, but it's not a, it's not a um, 
a sexist statement. It's just a statement that it's usually women say, I would like someone who treats me like a queen, you know, or mm -hmm. I would like someone who does A, B and C for me. I would like someone who and what that really is, is saying that you're not prepared to be someone they want to be. You want them to be who you want to be. But in a relationship, we serve each other. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, I want someone who will do A, B and C for me. Why don't you say, I want to be A, B and C for someone else? Do you know what? I've got to just jump in there. I love that you said that. So the fundamental message of my work in my new book, Love is Coming, which is coming out this summer, same name as the podcast. And it's all about how to find real love in a, in, in a superficial world. So the fundamental message is this. We need, as a society, we need to stop looking outside of ourselves for the partner we want to get. And we need to start looking inside of ourselves for the partner we want to be. Because when you start, you know, I, I one of the things I get my clients to do is like, you know, write write down your ideal partner wish list. What are all the qualities you want to have? And so they're like, oh, da, 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 you know, all of these things. And I'm like, okay, good. Now go and become all those things yourself. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. Why should someone else be that for you if you're not willing to be that for yourself or for the other person? Like, what? Are, it's not just about what you can get. What about what you can give? So I love that you said that. Yeah, I found I found that um, if I want my wife to do something or be something me first of all finding out how i can do something or be something for her usually ends up in her doing or being for me what i want mm -hmm. whereas if i say you're not doing or being what i want that has the opposite effect mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it's just managing our own emotions and thinking a little bit more long term and you know that saying be the change you want to see in the world so when it comes to relationships being the person you want someone to be and and almost leading the way in serving them without subordinating yourself as a lesser person in the relationship. I, I think that that's really, really strong. Yeah. yeah. And I agree. I think that's an important point. This is not about, because of course, there's the other side of it. And I work with a lot of these women who are super codependent and, you know, they'd even describe themselves as doormats. They've let men walk all over them, treat them like crap because they feel so, they don't feel good in themselves. So they need that validation. So, so what just, can you speak a little bit into that about, you know, because the importance of respecting yourself and knowing your worth before you even come into the relationship? Yeah. Well, they say you can't give from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. And I think if you don't respect yourself, love yourself and you're insecure, you will be looking from, for that respect and insecurity and love from someone else. Mm -hmm. And therefore you'll become dependent and needy and you'll try and control them in order to give that love and recognition to you. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what it means. When you love yourself, respect yourself enough, you're not looking for leverage or manipulation or control to get other people to do that for you or only ever feeling happy when they do that for you mm -hmm. I think that that is really important and uh, yeah I, I definitely have had times where I've not felt great about myself and I've looked for that in other people but that that is a like pouring water in a bucket with a hole in it it, yeah. it, it never fills up you just need more and more and more and more of it yeah. And so then you be, you become addicted to this cycle of needing 
this love and attention and praise and respect and recognition from other people and you can't get it for yourself. And then you jump from relationship to relationship where you, you got it for a bit because they wanted to win you over. And then when you lost it, you know, what you needed from them, you lost. And then you go and seek it out from other people. Yeah, it could become a bit of a vicious cycle. That You just literally described in a nutshell my entire love life from sort of a very young age to my mid-20s where I pretty much had a breakdown when I got broken up with, um, which needed to happen. I cheated on every boyfriend I'd ever had. I, and the reason for that, I'd grown up, my parents struggled with drug addiction. And so my reaction to that was essentially using boys and men to to feel better about myself and to get that validation. And let me tell you, like it's progressive. It gets worse and worse. And to the point where you actually start repulsing yourself. Because, you know, until until you have a good relationship with you, your relationship with yourself sets the tone for every single relationship, whether it's romantic, family, friendship, business. I learned a lot in business relationships as well. Um, so I just want to I know we, we um, haven't got too long left. So I just want to jump on some of the questions uh, we've got coming in. So this was an interesting one. Alpha females, how much are they suitable life partners for high achieving men? And at what point exactly do they become not so much? I think people need to stop calling themselves alpha females um, because I, you probably noticed from the start of my interview with you, um, Persia, I don't really like labels because mm -hmm. I, I don't think like I couldn't label you. You are a unique individual. You could try and label me, but I would fit some of those criteria and I would break some of those criteria. Mm -hmm. um, and, and immediately when you say alpha male, it's a bit like a fuck you. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. And a lot of people who say they're alpha males, they are more insecure than sorry, alpha females. I've seen a lot of people who say they're alpha females and they are really insecure. It yeah. is a massive um, like front. Same with alpha males, so, you know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Alpha. I mean, obviously you asked me about alpha females. Yeah. So I'm just addressing yeah. that. I, I mean, alpha males as well. So, um, I, you know. Anyone who calls themselves and identifies with themselves as an alpha female, I'd be fascinated to really know what's going on there. Because my bet is many of them are highly insecure and they're using this stereotype as a like a badge of honor or a uniform to, to show rank. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I mean, that would put me off. Mm -hmm. Not that. You know, not that I, my opinion is worth anything. You know, it's not like I am a, a Greek statue that everyone, every woman wants to be with. But um, just be yourself. Don't put any labels on yourself. Don't go out there barking and shouting and screaming about, you know, how alpha you are. Just be yourself. Mm -hmm. This is one thing that I really believe. You know, virtually everyone and again, it's more women than men in my experience, but um, that's not to say it's not men too. But the statement, I just want to be loved for who I am. I've heard a lot of people say that. Here's the problem. They're not showing the world who they really are. So it's impossible to be loved for who you really are when you're showing the world either an exaggerated or minimized version of yourself. And most people are either exaggerating themselves, alpha female in the house, back the fuck up. <laughs> Or they're minimizing themselves and subordinating to others. And to be loved for who you really are, you can only do that and be that and attract that when you are who you really are. And what a lot of people do is put on a front of who they perceive others want them to be. So then they attract people who are attracted to the front, not yes. the real person. 
And then when the real person actually comes out, they fall out of love with it because it wasn't the real person. And I know I've been there, I've done it and, and I've seen it loads. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. showing the world who you are really, I means being honest, open, vulnerable, and having the courage to be disliked mm-hmm. um, and standing for what you believe in. And yeah, that is one of the hardest things to do. I find that hard to do sometimes mm-hmm. because you know, I've got baggage. We've all got stuff that happened to us in our past. And to fully open ourselves up and go, there you go. That's me. That's who really I am, who I am. That is the vulnerability to say you could take that and you could abuse that and you yeah. could ruin that and you could hurt that. It's fucking yeah. hard. But I yeah. promise you, you'll, you'll, you will start to attract amazing people into your life when you yeah. are that. I agree. And I always say to my clients, it's like, don't abandon yourself in the hope or attempt for that other person, the guy you're dating to not abandon you. And what I mean by that is, don't, if you abandon yourself and you put on a show and you say what the, you think the guy wants to hear and you you present a version of yourself that you think is gonna be more palatable to them, you are abandoning yourself and it never works. It is only gonna be sustainable for so long. So I love that you said that, I think it's true. It's like, listen, do you know what? Show who you really are and some people will reject you, but they were always gonna reject you at some point. So it's better just to be upfront and tell the truth from the get go and just share with an open heart. Um, and you will, you like you said, like you will attract the right people to you. So another thing I hear a lot from, uh, from women I work with who are, who are very, you know, very successful. It's not all of them that say this, but a fair few of them have said this to me and I'm sure you've heard it is, oh, the problem is the reason that I, I don't have a partner or that I struggle romantically is men are intimidated by my success. This is a big thing that's out there. What would you say to that? As a very successful man yourself. Um, some men may be. So I, I can't categorically say anything, Persia. Um, some men may be. But stop fucking saying it and then you'll attract people who aren't. If you keep saying, oh, men are so intimidated by my success, then... It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. So I'm not intimidated by anyone's success. I think a successful woman is a sexy woman, personally. Mm -hmm. A woman who knows what she's good at and is strong and has volition of that without, you know, being all braggy and whatever else. That is sexy. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I personally think success is sexy. So um, it I wouldn't put me off um, mm-hmm. as long as they were being true to themselves and not over puffing themselves up. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we know? You know, how do you know? What, what research have you done? What holistic study have you done to know that all men are intimidated by successful women? Mm-hmm. You haven't done a study. You're just not yet found the right person and, and it's that's a narrative to hide behind isn't it i think yeah yeah and look, i'm not judging anyone because relationships are hard and finding the right person is hard and when you're single and maybe a bit lonely you, I, I you know you you probably try and justify things or label things we try and make sense of things mm-hmm. don't we but i, I just I, i'm not a fan of of labels and blanket statements so all i can say is I know men who would be really attracted to successful women. And for me, the package of a, of a woman is um, 
way more than just a one dimensional thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Um, and everyone's successful at something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, mm. Another I don't want to upset of- anyone, but again, mm. it, it's almost like you manifest what you put out. So if you yeah. keep saying everyone's intimidated by my sex and you success, sex, success, and I am an alpha female, I just think you're putting the wrong messages out. I agree. And that's another thing I, I always say to my clients is like the language we use is so powerful. So if you, you know, another thing that a lot of women will say is, God, I'm I'm the always the only single one. Everyone else is coupled up and happy and I'm the only single one. And I'm like, no. saying that is not serving you. No, it's not. There are hundreds of millions of single people. Yeah. No one is the only single person. Oh, by the way, if you are one of the fewer single people in your friendship circle, then maybe get a new friendship circle, number one. Um, But number two, a lot of those married people in your friendship circle, what do they want? They want to be single. So (laughs) do you know what? I know a lot of people are in a massive rush to be in a relationship. And I tell you, in 10 years, they'll be in a massive rush to be single. There mm-hmm. are upsides to being single. There are upsides to being in a relationship. It's a different environment. And I think if you enjoy the environment you're in, because I think people are attracted to people who are confident in who they are. Mm-hmm. So if you're single but not desperate to be in a relationship, I think you're going to be more attractive to people. And stop wishing away your singledom because mm-hmm. you can like you can make a decision today you want to go abroad for two weeks. You probably can't do that if you've got children. Mm-hmm. You know, you can juggle a few, you can have a few first dates. You know, you can you can experiment. There's lots it's of an adventure. Adventure, yeah. You can go sailing into the sunset. So, uh, yeah. Mm. Well, you've touched on it there. So what would you say, um, I think it's important for, for people to hear this. What are the pros and cons of being in a relationship uh, when it comes to also navigating your own career success, because the more, you know, the more successful you are, the busy you are, the more balls there are to juggle. So what are the good things about being in a relationship and what are the negatives? Okay, so yeah, in the, pu- in, the, in the pursuit of success in business and life, the upsides of being in a relationship are you've got someone in your corner. Mm-hmm. When you've had a bad day, you've got someone that will hopefully listen to you or support you. Um, you know, there's obviously extra financial support and help, probably, you would assume, unless you've decided that one is doing the money and one is doing the, um, you know, looking after the empire. I always like to call it the empire, not the house. Because mm. do you know what? Yeah. I, own hun- I own hundreds of properties. We've got loads of money to invest all over the place. Said with humility. So my wife looking after that side is our empire. It's not just someone who just cooks and cleans the house. That's it's, it's a big part of the team and a big, mm-hmm. a big part of the game. But, you know, you've got that on your side if you are in a relationship. Maybe, you know, when you're single, maybe you've got a lot of sexual energy um, and you sort of that doesn't really get honed into it gets sprayed all over the place rather <laughs> than honed, if you know what I mean. Sorry if you're a, a visual um, person. Can I just say the emoji for this podcast is what I like to think is the squirt emoji. Yes, that, (laughs) yes. Anyway, you said that, not me. Um, But obviously when you're you're in a relationship, you can transmute a lot of that sexual energy into your relationship. Whereas when you're single, it can be going all over the place. And I don't necessarily mean intimacy with people. I just mean that energy, just 
it's quite like a strong energy and think and grow rich. Napoleon Hill talks about transmuting sexual energy into productivity as a powerful transmutation force. And mm -hmm. I found that when I was single, there was that, that just that energy was just everywhere and it was just really distracting. So yeah. that's the upsides of being in a relationship. The upsides of being in a single is you can be more fast, more dynamic. Um, obviously, you've got a little bit more freedom. You haven't got other people to answer to. Um, so, you know, maybe you can be a bit your your path can be you could be much more selfish, more independent. You know, a lot of people have said to me, oh, I find it really hard to hold a relationship down because I'm just too selfish. And I actually get that. We get comfortable. We like watching Netflix when we like. We like eating when we like, what we like. We like doing what we want, when we want, with who we want. And then when we're in a relationship, we have to let someone into all of that. And that gets disrupted. So enjoy that independence when you're single because it's fucked when you're in a relationship. <laughs> Very true. So last few minutes, Rob, um, I'm loving this. I don't want it to end, but we're going to have to wrap it up soon. So what would be a deal breaker for you in um, in a female partner, in a partner? Um, a really hairy armpits, probably. No, actually, one thing I will say is I am much I want to champion natural women because there's so many people that have got so much plastic um, injected into their face. Their lips are the size of their ass cheeks. You know, they, um, they, they've got all sorts of Botox and fillers. And look, I, I'm also not knocking anyone who does that because each to their own. Yeah. I just want to say there are a lot of men out there that like women to look exactly how they were as nature intended. No mm. makeup, no, no cosmetics, no covering your face. All the women I've been in love with, and I'm not saying it like I am a Casanova, but, you know, the women I've been in love with, I like them completely natural with no makeup, exactly as they are. That was the beauty that I saw. And I just wanted to um, maybe be a champion for everyone being OK with who they are and not trying to look like a different version of themselves. I'll probably get some shit for that, but I don't really care because... Um, I think it's fair enough. And you know what? My fiance Joe says the same. Like I'll go in, I'll go and put makeup on and he goes, Oh, I preferred you before. <laughs> and he's not, he's not meaning to be really, he's like, Oh no, you look great. But I, he, he's like, my favorite is seeing you in the morning, waking up and just completely natural. And I'm like, are you blind? But it's, 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 I actually think it's really healthy for women to know that. It certainly is yeah. for me to know, like you, you are enough. You don't, it's not say you can't have a bit of makeup or a bit of Botox if that's what you want, but just know that you don't need to do that. You really don't. No, well, I'm, I'll never tell anyone what they should do. I'm just telling you what I think about natural beauty. Mm. And I, I know a lot of men who are the same, who mm. like natural beauty. So if someone is wearing makeup because that makes them feel good, cool. If you're wearing a lot of makeup to because you're not you don't really like how you look, you should be more kind to yourself. And if mm. you're doing anything surgical or cosmetic that could have some implications from your health perspective, just know that men like you how you are. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, love it. What was your what was your initial question, by the way? It was. Any deal breakers for you? What would your deal breakers be when it comes to, to a female partner? 
or romantic partner? Um, the thing with this question is why I find it hard is because no, no human being is perfect. Mm. And, uh, loving someone for who they are is also loving their flaws. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't get into the relationship in the first place. Although of course that's easier said than done sometimes. And it's a very personal thing. I think someone who is really critical, dismissive and negative of a lot of people consistently, that's not for me. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, no one wants to be cheated on. No one wants to be lied to. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens in 75% of relationships or whatever. Um, and if you, you know, you really do believe in a long term relationship, then, you know, take a look in the mirror, because are you perfect? Mm. Probably not. So overly negative and critical and um, cruel and hurtful. That's probably my main deal breaker. Most mm. other things we can hopefully work through. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Love that answer. Okay, so I'm going to ask you one thing and then uh, I'm going to ask you, where can people find you? And then one final question. Tinder, you can, no, you can't really. Can't <laughs> See that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so people can find me online, Rob Moore or Rob Progressive on all the social channels. You can find me on the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast and I've written loads of books on Amazon. So you can find me all over the place. He's Just Google him, he's everywhere. He is everywhere. Okay, so final question. What is the one piece of advice that you would give to a woman listening who really wants to attract a high value life partner? Interpret that as you will, whatever that means to you. What's the I'm one not, piece of advice? I would not give any woman any advice. Who am I? Um, you are more the disruptive entrepreneur. Yeah, but <laughs> I'll make a suggestion. See what I did there. <laughs> nice. Like that, um, like that. Show the world who you really are. Own your flaws and failings, but also own your success and greatness. Don't puff yourself up or put yourself down, exaggerate yourself or minimize yourself and have faith that when you show the world who you really are, the right person for you will come to you. Because if the right person for you isn't coming to you, it's because you're not showing the world who you really are. That would be, I think, the best guidance I could give to someone for attracting the right partner into their life. Mic drop on that, Rob. That is, I could not have said it better myself. That is very much in line with my own philosophy when it comes to attracting a romantic partner. So what a perfect place to leave it. Thank you so much. I've just seen someone say, how do we connect with Persia? Yes. At Persia Lawson on Instagram is probably the best place, uh, persialawson.com. I've got a weird name, so it's quite easy to find me. I've loved this, Rob. Thank you so much. You're a legend. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. And it's fun to do something a bit different. So, yeah. You were oh, wait a minute. Look, just before we go, check this out. There are some dicks out there, Rob, um, that screw up that idea that men like you for who you are. What do you say to them? You've got to jump um, in with that. Well, I mean... If you're attracting people that don't like you for who you are, 
then maybe try to be the change you want to see in the world by showing the world more of who you are and you'll stop attracting those kind of people, but also learn to spot those kind of people. You know, if, if someone has said here, there are some dicks out there. So what, what I'm going to assume they mean is they've attracted some partners that they don't ultimately want to be with. So surely now you should be getting good at not attracting those kind of people. And if you are attracting more of those kind of people, you haven't yet learned the lesson you need to learn to transcend attracting those kind of people. But, you know, you'll only attract what you stand um, for or what you put up with. So you'll never attract fully into your life something that you wouldn't put up with. So you probably got to get more clear on your boundaries and what you'd be yeah. put up with. So, for example, for me, I'm t I trust people too quickly and too easily. And I open myself up too quickly and too easily. And so I've attracted people who've taken advantage of that. But I gave it too quickly. So I have to learn mm -hmm. to make them earn it more and not give it too quickly. That's my lesson. And when, when I don't open up so quickly, I won't attract the people who will take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. The next thing I'll say is, I, I get I get why people say this, but when people say there are some dicks out there, there are no dicks out there. There are just different people. And this a person who comes and treats you a certain way doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. They're just playing their own life on their own experiences. They're just getting away with what you're letting them get away with. So it's too easy to say, oh, men are wankers or women are bitches or these types of people are dicks or that or the other, but it's, that's not taking responsibility for your own behavior. Um, you just have to know what your boundaries are, what you're prepared to put up with. Yeah, that would be, what would you say, Persia? Uh, yeah, I would say the same thing. Um, water seeks its own level. And what I mean by that is, so Dr. Wayne Dyer, I mean, I, lo I love a quote. Dr. Wayne Dyer said, we don't attract who we want, we attract who we are. So that's not saying that you are a dick. What that's saying is, is that we attract someone. Say I'm really insecure. We, I will attract someone who is going to amplify that insecurity. If I feel good about myself and respect myself, I'm going to attract someone who amplifies that. Now, this is not me just like making this out and put like this is from my own life experience and coaching hundreds of women who were in horrific relationships, kept attracting what you might describe as a dickhead. People who guys who didn't treat them the way they wanted to be treated. They worked on themselves. They worked on their relationship with themselves. That got healthier. They respected themselves. They showed who they were. Guess what? Now that some of them happily married, great relationships, it is absolutely possible to change the trajectory of your romantic life. But you have to take responsibility for how you are showing up. So, yeah, like you said, Rob, have you not had boundaries in place? And it's not about beating yourself up. It's being kind to yourself because we all have our own baggage. As you said, we have our own history of why we attracted those people. But it's the moment you realize I am in like I get to choose I, is a choice. Then your whole life changes. 100%. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope these episodes help you find dates that become mates and flings that become things with men who are ready, willing, and able to actually commit. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave me a review if you're getting value from these episodes. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other people who want or need the support. To have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. See you next week, gorgeous. I release a new episode every Tuesday. But until then, remember, love is coming for you. 
So surrender to the festival that is life on planet Earth and trust that what misses you was not meant for you and what's meant for you will not miss you, including your soulmate.